Today on the podcast, we want to say, hey, I just want to get another look at you with A Star Is Born. We also find out what happened to Matthew Murdoch after a building fell on his head in Daredevil Season 3. And finally, it is one small step for this podcast and one giant leap for reviews as we review First Man. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello, welcome to Talk Filmy to Me podcast, a film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. It's the film podcast that can't decide if The Nightmare Before Christmas is a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie, but just to be on the safe side, we'll watch it on loop until Christmas Eve. Speaking about festive guys that keep coming back that we want more of, I'm going to introduce you my co-host for tonight. You may know him as John or Deska or Hey You in the Bushes. I know him as the guy who wrote the album Lucky Dust you can find on Spotify or iTunes or wherever good streaming services are. John Deska, how you doing, buddy? Oh, amazing, amazing. It's half term, you know, I've got a week off. It's lovely. What a good time to do a podcast. Exactly. In fact, it's been a, a little while since our last podcast, and apologies for that. I feel like I keep opening up episodes of that, so I probably should stop doing that. But um, I was speaking to a couple of friends who, who do other film podcasts that we've been talking on Twitter and asking advice and stuff. And this sort of question kept coming up recently is that, has there been films that you have scored, but then you have gone and seen them because they've come out in general release later on, or maybe just for whatever reason you've stumbled across them again and then gone, oh, I really scored that wrong. And I got that feeling over the weekend. I watched um, Jurassic, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and for some reason it didn't land with me. Like, I was sitting there with my wife watching it, and she found it okay, but I remember coming out of the cinema going that's fucking awesome that's like it's like the best Jurassic movie ever and you know, it's really not it's really not hold up the second time around is there any films that you could retrospectively go back and change the grade of that we've done so far John I don't know it's funny you should say that because one of the reviews I'm doing this week has I feel like it's grown on me the longer I've left it uh after being a week I feel like it's gotten better if I had a time machine John no, I would not go back and kill baby Hitler. No, I wouldn't stop. I wouldn't stop some of the Earth's greatest tragedies or invest in Bitcoin, as I know that's one of your life's biggest regrets. Um, it probably would be to to take a take a point off of Justice League. That would probably be my. That's my. I don't have many regrets, John, but that's that's definitely up there. So um, yeah, I, I think at the time I gave it three or four. Like it really doesn't hold up. The more you watch it, the the, the worse it is. But anyway, shall we crack on with with reviews for this week? Let's do it. So, A Star is Born. It's a film directed and starring Bradley Cooper. It's taken a well-known trope that we've seen a few times, but given a more modern uh, uh, twist on this, it's got Lady Gaga in this. This is not her first acting gig. She was in, obviously, the American Horror Story films, not to mention her own uh, personal endeavours on music videos and stuff, obviously, on her stage presence as well. But this is a first motion picture. Uh, John, you went to go see this film. What's the actual premise of this movie? Okay, yeah, so we've got Bradley Cooper, who plays a, uh, a famous country singer called Jackson Maine, who's sort of privately battling alcohol and drug addiction. Um, his main support is his brother, Bobby, uh, who kind of has a turbulent relationship with. But yeah, so he's looking for a drink after one of his big sh- sold-out shows, and he goes to this drag bar, which is the only place that's open. And there he meets, uh, he sees Lady Gaga's character singing this French song, a really sort of dynamic drag performance. She's the only 
woman that they allow to perform in this drag club. And yeah, they sort of start this whirlwind romance. He eventually gets her up on stage to perform with her. She gets a career all of her own and tragedy ensues of course like any good rock and roll story <laughs> have you seen the original with barbara streisand in it uh no i haven't but what i have seen is a lot of adaptations of this so one of my mates saw this and come and said to me and said have you ever seen cars free and i was like yeah, I have. I'm a parent. Of course, I've seen the Cars movies. Actually, even if I weren't a parent, I would have seen the Cars films because I quite enjoy them. And um, he goes, yeah, that's basically the storyline to A Star Is Born. Um, old guy tries to get back in the swing of things, recruits a young whippersnapper. They end up having a bit of a relationship. And uh, yeah, it's mainly about her rather than about him. And I was like, you and me have a completely different interpretation of Cars 3, but you're probably along those sort of lines. So yeah, I've... To be honest, this film brushed up against me. I haven't seen it, but the reason why it brushed up against me is that everyone who saw this in pre-screenings or in the first like weekend of this release become such passionate advocates of this film that it made me not like the film because they basically would tell me, you've got to see this film and it's great, you'll cry. The soundtrack's amazing. Oscars, amazing. It's got to win every fucking Oscar under the sun. And I'm like, okay. Fair enough. Um, I'd like to break up my own mind, but yeah, thanks for that. Actually, I'm going to go see Venom this weekend just because, you know, I'm a bit of a bit of a geek and I like that sort of stuff. You sexist prick! Whoa, okay. Um, so, so yeah, there's been a... I brushed up against it just because certain people would really advocate this film just a bit too much. Look, I'm sure it's a work of art. It looks incredible. Um, apparently, the soundtrack's pretty good as well. So, yeah, it will. I will eventually see this film, but I... Out of circumstances, I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Flinty, you're such a contrarian. Ever since I've known Flinty, when we were seven years old, something got popular. Flinty was all against it. You were like, nope, don't like that. They're too <laughs> popular. I'll like Power Rangers instead, thank you very much. Yeah. Like, Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, I mean, the hype is valid. Uh, it's The reviews have been amazing. Word of mouth, I'm sure many people, like you said, have told you to watch this movie. And a lot of people listening have probably watched it already because it's been out a couple of weeks. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. Um, Absolutely brilliant. Bradley Cooper, this is his first movie he's directed and he's done an incredible job. Um, Not to mention starring in it. I mean, this is as good as I've ever seen Bradley Cooper. I loved him in Silver Linings Playbook. It's the best movie he's done since that. Uh, he He's incredible in this. And his directing, there's genuinely some really interesting choices, great scenes. Uh, but I do have to give a shout-out to Lady Gaga, who I've never seen act. It would be so easy for her to just be completely blown away by acting opposite Bradley Cooper, but she does such a good job. I mean, the first scene you see her without any makeup, it's very strange because you've never seen Lady Gaga dressed down. Uh, But that is sort of her character in this. She's kind of a bit more timid, likes, you know, isn't afraid to kind of dress that way. And it's kind of emotional seeing her like that. I don't know why it got to me, but just seeing her completely stripped bare and and vulnerable because that's not the Lady Gaga we we all know and um, have contrasting opinions on (laughs) um i think this movie deserves the hype it's really really a great movie the soundtrack is good 
I won't say it's incredible. It's Lady Gaga songs, and if that's your tipple, you're going to love this. I tend to think she's a bit less interesting than she thinks she is musically, but I'm being a bit of a snob (laughs) there. (laughs) There's definitely some great tunes in this, and you've probably heard them already. The signature tune, Shallows, is is really, really good. But, um, I mean, there's a scene it leads up to you all know the one if I ever kind of feel like something's coming and then your your fears are realised with a scene with with his dog and it's just it really gets you it gets to you truly um, love a scene I mean, with a good dog yeah I don't want to spoil anything for you Flinty because I know how much you can't wait to see this beautiful triumph but um, it's a great movie the only the only thing I think that lets it down, which is might be unpopular, but I do think a couple of the songs are kind of just crap, particularly the last one, which is meant to be this big epic. It's, it's meant to really get to you that uh, Lady Gaga sings at the end, and I just thought it was just a bit flat. I didn't like it. But I've got to say, overall, this is a stunning movie. Great supporting roles as well. Um, I'm go- I would give it a four. A four star. I can't give it five, but it's it's getting there. But a four star. Expect some Oscars for this one. And Bradley Cooper, fair play to you. Doing Hangover movies ten years ago, and now. Oh, I've I yeah, I love Bradley Cooper. To be fair, I'm a, I actually am a fan of Lady Gaga. I really like her. I, I I think her music's interesting, but I think her as an actress is really fascinating as well. I've really liked her portrayals in in American Horror Story, and you forget that she is this is still very early in her acting career although she's had obviously a lot of experience in terms of being a performer and um, this is that first time really in front of that ca- in front of that camera and um, i think a lot of people are going to compare this to although narratively wise it's completely separate but think about fargo with ben affleck although he was directing a couple of bits before that that was his first recognizable achievement and it cleared up at the awards Do you think it's going to have a similar effect with this for bradley cooper I don't think it's not going to win him the Oscar as a director. I don't. I don't think, but I do think it's a stunning debut. I really do. I think, uh, yeah, he's done such a good job with it, and he just he acts like his life depends on it. He's just he's brilliant in this movie, and as a guitarist and musician, it sickens me that he managed to learn to play and sing in the last few years and already get away with being coming across as a real rock star <laughs> but, um i gotta say there's, there's some strong memes of this film so there's a famous scene in this film where bradley cooper says hey she turns around and says i just want to have another look at you and um, i can't help but think if it wasn't a really handsome man that was doing it out of a car it would be really creepy and pervy but anyway <laughs> that, <laughs> that aside um there's been loads of people that have taken that scene and layered in other films and the the one that made me laugh the most was where he goes, hey, and she turns around and then it switches to in Dumb and Dumber when Lloyd crashes the car. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was fucking genius. Um, but yeah, I, I generally really want to give this film a good a good run in, have a look at it. Um, I will see this at some point. The, the praise sounds like it's really worth it in terms of your review there. Sounds like a lot of people are enjoying this and it probably will do something at the awards uh, ceremonies when they pop around. Um, so there you have it. Four out of five, a star is born. Here's a little bonus review from the sidewalks of London by my rather overdramatic wife, Jamie. Hello, this is 
what I thought about A Star is Born. <gasps> wow, I loved it so much. I also cried my little eyeballs out. It was such a beautiful... Oh, my God! Oh, my God, there was a firework. Everything's fine, though. It was just a firework. Wow. You know, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure what's happening here. That was horrifying. Um, okay, here we are. No, I thought I thought it was a brilliant film. I was so impressed with Lady Gaga's performance and Bradley Cooper's direction. And it was really quite a feat to like forget that that actress is Lady Gaga and totally buy into her performance as Ali. But you totally do forget, or I did. I was just amazed. Also, their chemistry is like wham bam kapow so gorgeous together and so just seamless oh i'm gonna miss my bus okay love you all uh that's all i have to say <laughs> news so two weeks has passed and in that last two weeks loads has happened um i'm actually going to start with breaking news we should have like a little breaking news banner, which makes no fucking sense on the podcast anyway. But anyway, that aside, breaking news. Uh, as of tonight, Wonder Woman 84 has been pushed back until June 2020. Even though the film actually wrapped quite a while ago, they had a date scheduled for early 2019. Uh, I'll, there's no reason as to why this has happened, because uh, it's only just breaking. I'm sure we'll be talking about it in a week or two's time when, when the full picture gets drawn. But... I'm quite surprised at this because Wonder Woman obviously done so well um, the first time that when that film came out. Gal Gadot is fantastic in it. It is a, a really cool super, hack, uh, super action-y film and everything else. But for whatever reason, they've decided to make this delay. John, are you waiting with bated breath or are you, I couldn't care less? <laughs> I'm yeah. I have to lean more towards the, the latter. <laughs> Fair I enough. Pretend to be interested closer to the time though. All right, cheers, mate. Always guarantee that. Thanks, mate. I generally actually really enjoyed the first film. Uh, even I thought she was kind of like a saving grace of this failed DC uh, movie universe. I'm kind of hoping that Aquaman bucks the trend um, and goes towards more Wonder Woman than than Justice League. But anyway, let's let's uh, see how that story unveils in future pods. Anyway, let's move on to some trailers that dropped uh, over the last week. So Rocket Man, the Elton John movie, starring I can never pronounce the dude's name. Is it Taron Egerton, uh, the guy from? Um, he was in that Eddie the Eagle movie, but also, most famously, those Kingsman movies. The first trailer for that dropped. Uh, he actually put on a bit of weight for the role. He proper looks the role. Um, it really did actually unveil quite a lot in terms of where the narrative's going to go and uh, some of the performances of this. It, the soundtrack is going to be amazing. We knew it was going to be uh, great musically. But, John, have you seen the trailer and what's your thoughts of it? Yeah, I was. Uh, this is intriguing, actually. It kind of looks like uh, a bit more intrigue, like not just the music biopic kind of cliche. It looks like um, it's going to be slightly more offbeat. Um, that's what I'm hoping for, anyway. And and it, obviously, Elton John has always been very offbeat in his career. So I. The only thing, and I don't know if how how this is. I don't know if he sings the songs on this or not. But they play um, a version of Rocket Man, as you would expect, um, over the trailer. And I think it is either a really really early recorded version of Rocket Man, i.e., when Elton was a lot younger, or this is actually uh, the actor singing the role and it's been recorded either way there's something not quite right about it now elton john plays his hits wherever he goes and he he has such an iconic voice but it is probably similar to someone like tom jones or, or anyone who still 
who has performed for a very long time but still performs the hits and the hits are still so relevant to the, to their audience is that you associate maybe more of an older voice than actually the original recording. So I don't know if it's an early recording or if it's just a younger voice singing it. Um, but either way, it kind of just it didn't sit right with me. Um, singing obviously agree, is a actually. is a art form. It's mastery, and you know, just getting an actor who can look the part is one thing. Getting them to sound is uh, is another thing entirely. And I don't know if Taryn's actually got the the pipes to pull this one off. <laughs> Um, I agree. It, I don't think that wasn't Elton John singing, and yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't sound quite right. But um, hey ho, you can't expect someone to sound exactly like him. But yeah, in that situation, could we not just dub it? Put Elton John's <laughs> dub it in. Yeah. yeah. But that being said, look, let's let's wait until we hear more about this. And um, it looks fantastic. Elton has been a big part of this in terms of the the narrative. Obviously, he's the focal point, but in terms of he's given his rubber stamp to this. And um, yeah, I'm I've got I've got high hopes for this. It's also got um, uh, Bruce Dallas Howard uh, in in this film as well. Obviously, she's an amazing actor, so I think that's there's some really high hopes for this. Uh, what's your favorite Elton song? Is there a song in particular you hope that they they do in this? I'm a big sucker for your song, actually. I always thought that was a beautiful, beautiful song. And yeah, Rocket Man is a it's classic, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what about you? I was gonna say your song as well. That's like yeah, for me that's the the most iconic one. We're a couple of old soppy sods, aren't we? <laughs> Oh, I just, I hope that there's a bit. I I, I want to hear because he's famously a bit of an arsehole, isn't he? In terms of his his temper, and uh, I just I hope they go warts and all and really show his his fierce side just as much as the performer side. Yes, we know what we get on stage with Elton, but actually, um, you know, there is a. I'd love to see a comparison between successful CEOs and great performers like Elton John there's this tenacity they have deeply ingrained in their mm. soul and you could be the CEO of a fortune 500 business company or the most flamboyant performer on the planet but there's something deep down in your core which is just tenacity and just this ability to not give a fuck what anyone thinks about you and just do what you've got to do and uh you know yes it might take time to get to that point and yes there might be certain things that that these people need to to address in themselves before they can actually be themselves but eventually they become themselves and as a result of it they fucking kick ass as a result of it and uh, i want to see that journey um I, yes the music side of things is going to be fantastic and it's going to be a spectacle but i really want to see the how how Elton becomes this uh, this icon that we know. So um, yeah, really looking forward to that. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Javinio del Toro, the name I can never pronounce correctly. Um, he's making a, a film about Pinocchio. Uh, this has been in the works for quite a while. His own production company, obviously films like The Shape of Water and uh, and the like, has given him basically a license to do whatever the hell he wants. And this is what he is choosing to do next. It's that Pinocchio movie he's always wanted to write. Netflix has picked this up. As an orig- as a Netflix original, which is quite interesting. What's your take on that, John? Well, I think that's quite an acquisition, isn't it? Pinocchio with Del Toro directing. That's that's uh, that's a big deal, I think. Um, yeah, consider me definitely intrigued. I love him. I love him as a director. And the Pinocchio is a classic. Everyone's seen a version of Pinocchio. Well excited for this. Well excited. Why isn't it in? I kind of want to see it on a big screen though, rather than you know in bed. 
on my uh, laptop screen or something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that actually because do you remember you know, a while back we reviewed Annihilation, the Netflix original, and uh, we done a spoiler special on it. And the amount of money that film it had a very limited cinema release. I think they wanted to just stick it in a couple of cinemas so they could actually enter it into a few film festivals to get that that kind of sticker to put on the poster sort of thing. And if you look at the director that made Annihilation, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but the previous film he made was Ex Machina, uh, which is, an, again, a great sci-fi film. Really highly recommend that. And that film, uh, Ex Machina, was a global release, uh, was in the cinema for a number of months, and the amount of box office that Annihilation made in just that small period of time, I think it was only a weekend in certain cinemas in America it was open, it nearly matched what Ex Machina made. So there was money on the table there that that, um, that the film, I think it was Paramount, that Paramount could have made from having this film. And I agree with you, John. I think this film, uh, yeah, first of all, Del Toro's box office at the moment, his name on anything is going to draw a crowd, let alone the story, uh, subject matter, Pinocchio. This is going to be interesting. We know it's going to be a dark, twisted take, uh, introducing possibly things we might never have heard of. Now, you might think, wait a minute, what the fuck are Disney going to do about this? Well, actually, Disney don't own Pinocchio, uh, similar to to Snow White and things like that. Um, There actually are... no, No one owns fairy tales. It's just that we favor adaptations and we think about oh the jungle book well the jungle book's actually the story of Mowgli hence why Andy Serkis has been able to make that Mowgli film and Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs yes we think about those seven dwarfs that are Disney characters but the tale of Snow White can actually be interpreted by anyone that's why we had those Snow White and the Huntsman movies and you know Pinocchio is not owned by Disney as a actual story so it is allowed to be taken and adapted so I'll be interested to hear what uh, del toro does with this so yeah watch this space um while we're on the netflix trail john i know how much you love superhero movies and superhero tv shows so i know you're absolutely gutted to hear that netflix has decided in a world where netflix apparently green lights everything they have decided to cancel iron fist and luke cage which i found not so surprising about Iron Fist. We reviewed the second season of that, actually only in the last podcast. So if you, uh, our regular listeners will remember that I basically said, hey, it's a big improvement on season one, but it's nowhere near as good as the other shows. But, you know, fair play and interesting to see where they go. Well, unfortunately, people voted with their controllers and decided that this is not for them. And Netflix has responded accordingly. Although I'm very surprised they have done the same with Luke Cage because for all accounts, that was a very critical and from my understanding, a lot of people watched it. It was a good success. So I'm interested to understand why. Um, I think if I'm a betting man that this is because Disney are going to have their own streaming service next year. And I think that they're trying to pull the plug on any Disney-owned properties having new developments coming from them. And maybe there's something coming on their streaming service. So I've told Netflix, sorry, you can't use those characters anymore. That's the only logic really behind that. John, I know you are shedding a tear right now of thinking of what could have been. There could have been the Heroes for Hire collaboration TV show or the or the Daughters of the Dragon that they subtly hinted at in other episodes. But I know, John, I know, but it's okay. They're not working, are they, as a Netflix series? People watching them on home on their screen... You know, I think it's it doesn't quite work. I would agree with you, apart from Daredevil. I think Daredevil is the greatest superhero TV show ever, and I'll speak about my my uh, reaction review to season three later on. But yeah, I do I do agree with you to an extent. But I got you some news that will cheer you up, John, because I know how destroyed oh, you were. Uh, your boy, John Krastansky, uh busy boy, obviously, quiet place, one of the films of the year. Uh, 
Jack <coughs> Jack Ryan, absolutely fantastic. Um, but he has announced that he is penning and directing a sequel to A Quiet Place. Uh, that film was absolutely incredible. It really pushed uh, the barrier for uh, horror movies. And so he, yeah, it was only a matter of time, but they have announced, I'd love to hear what the, the title is going to be, A Quieter Place or A Quiet Place 2. Shh, I have no idea. But uh, John, how do you feel about this news? I didn't, I haven't watched the first one yet, but so it's on my list. So maybe I'll just wait and watch them both back to back, like, in a, you know, pretend it's a Netflix series. Ah, oh, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, yeah, you've got to get on it, man. Quiet Place is fantastic. Anyway, just to try and buzz through the news as quickly as I can. So Aladdin, we know it's being remade at the moment uh, with Disney live action slates, Guy Ritchie directing. Um, it's got uh, some really cool, interesting British actors in this film, but also most notably Will Smith playing the genie. Uh, the poster and teaser trailer got released for this last week. Now people lost their shit at this, and they lost their shit at a poster because it was a po- it was just a poster with the lamp in. I don't understand how a lamp could cause so much controversy, but apparently it did. Um, but I'm I'm starting to get a bit excited. I first of all was like, no, I. I I think Guy Ritchie should stick to making Guy Ritchie movies. Uh, Will Smith as the genie is not going to work, in in my opinion. Um, but wouldn't it be great if he'd done a rap to it? Do you know what I mean? And it's basically just like every 90s Will Smith movie where he he does the soundtrack, where he just raps the plot of the film and, and somehow makes box office history. But, um, but anyway, that aside, uh, the first teaser trailer dropped. It looks interesting. Uh, John, I know you were a big fan of The Jungle Book and you, to a lesser extent, like some of the other Disney Live remakes. Where does Aladdin sit for you in the barometer of Disney movies? Will Smith as the genie, big shoes to fill. It, a lot hinges on him, doesn't it, really? Because the other parts are kind of not as memorable. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'll give it a chance. But I, I've, I've seen the musical adaptation recently and that wasn't that good, so... Maybe I'm a bit aladdin out. We'll see. <laughs> I, I challenge Will Smith to not reference his race in this film. If, you've, if you watch every Will Smith movie, he will have some line of dialogue that will refer to his race. He even does it when he's a fish um, in, in a shark style. <laughs> if you listen to it, it's there. And uh, yeah, it'll be great if, uh, if he can move on from that a bit as well. But anyway, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm intrigued. Um, I am hyped because I think the the... It played on nostalgia very well, the teaser trailer. It shows you a bit of the Cove of Wonders and you saw a, a red parrot flying over Acrobat and uh, you can't help but just instantly your mind gets transported back to 1994 or whenever it was and uh, you start laughing at Cave of Wonders or anything else that you can think <laughs> of when you think about Aladdin. But um, but yeah, so I think the full trailer will be dropping very soon. Obviously, teaser trailers are supposed to tease you for the big one, so that'll be coming very soon. That was actually the first film I ever saw in the cinema, Aladdin, when I was seven years old. Oh, really? Just uh, thought I'd throw that in there. So actually, I, I've just decided it, that I'm very much anticipating this and I'm excited for that <laughs> sole reason. That's cool. Um, so oh, I don't know how to top that, but let's just move on. So James Gunn, uh, we knew he got fired from Guardians, unfortunately, for some tweets that some political people thought they would use as an agenda against him. It's a crying shame. He is an amazing, talented guy. Well, it wasn't long before he'll be picked up again, of course, and he has been picked up to be one of the saviours of the DC movie universe. He is going to be writing and directing a sequel to Suicide Squad. Now, Suicide Squad did not fare well uh, to the critics. It did do very well commercially, and let's not 
not forget, won an Oscar for best uh, special for best costume effects, which is amazing considering how terrible the film actually is. But with James Gunn backing this, the soundtrack's going to be amazing. Dave Bautista is already on the phone to him right now saying, give me a role. So that I'm excited. James Gunn's a great director, a visionary in terms of, of storytelling and collaborations and putting ensemble cast together. So it's a match made in heaven from my perspective. I still am just bitter about him being fired by Disney. Mm, well, their loss looks like a Suicide Squad's gain. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of gains, so Netflix, I want to finish off with some Christmassy news. So Netflix have got a new original coming out called The Christmas Chronicles. It's got Kurt Russell playing Father Christmas. Ironically, he was in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Anyway, that aside, um, the trailer got released for that, and this looks great. It looks like a cheesy 90s Christmas movie. Kurt Russell's hair looks fucking glorious. He's incredible. Everything he says is amazing. And this just looks like a good time. Like, if you think to jingle all the way or... Or the Santa Claus, the first one, not the sequels, just the pink talking about the originals. Uh, this has got very much those sort of channels, that sort of stuff. And uh, I, I miss those sort of movies. It's been a while since we've had a good, good, cheesy Christmas movie. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, definitely. They don't do them like they used to, do they? Elf, with the exception of Elf. Um, yeah, I, you haven't seen a good one in a long time. So maybe. They're going to play on that nostalgia and we're going to get all fuzzy feelings whilst we're in our stockings by the fire at Christmas. Definitely. I think you're on something there. And Kurt, you know, Kurt Russell's hair in that trailer is worth it for the price of admission alone. So so there we go. That's your news for this week. Are you sure? Yeah. Be an adventure. First man to walk on the moon. That'd be something. We've chosen a job so difficult, requiring so many technological developments. We're gonna have to start from scratch. First Man is a biopic about the first man to land on the moon, as the name suggests. Obviously, this is a film where we know the outcome, but there's actually still some suspense to be had. So this is focusing very much on the early days of the Apollo missions, uh, but it's not the kind of, hey, this is amazing, look at the great adversities that mankind has gone through this is very much a tailored film very much focused on Neil Armstrong in particular Neil Armstrong played by Ryan Gosling and um, the main theme of this movie is sacrifice what are you willing to sacrifice to get to your goal and what adversities would you personally like to overcome to get to this it somehow manages to stay quite grounded. It follows very much Neil Armstrong's family life and how his family are affected by all these trials and tribulations. The start of the film is uh, basically a test of uh, Neil Armstrong using uh, a, a jet propulsion system and it's a test that's going horrifically wrong. They spend a lot of time talking about all the failed crashes, the Apollo landings, sorry, the Apollo takeoffs that unfortunately resulted in tragedy. The film is punctuated by funerals uh, to echo home that this is deadly. You are doing something which, yes, no man has done before. There's a reason for that. It is bloody hard and it is very, very dangerous. And if something goes wrong, that is it. You are up in smokes. And even though we know the outcome of this film, it still manages to build on tension and it does that with great set design, great music, uh, great uh, just understanding of the situation and why using that gravitas as a way to 
to really draw home the fact that this is actually a real scary thing. Um, Neil Armstrong himself in this film is a very shy and reserved man, just like the guy was in real life. He was so shy and reserved that actually it was really hard to get information about the man's private life. His children were consulted on this film and they said, yeah, that was just that. He carried the world on his shoulders and he didn't really talk about it too much. In fact, he wasn't very good in front of people. He wasn't very charismatic. In fact, it was Buzz who was actually the, the guy who was always in front of the press and in front of the cameras. It was actually Neil who was the quiet reserve type. And there was a reason for that. Actually, he suffered a great tragedy. He, he lost his daughter at a very young age and his grieving mechanism was keeping it all to himself. Uh, what The other side of that is means that when he's in a very high pressure situation, he doesn't really express emotions at all. Now... If you need a lead actor who has no emotion whatsoever, almost like a plank of wood, but easy on the eye and people would still pe keep paying money to go see, who would you go get? Well, Ryan Gosling is, of course, your man for that. Um, he is in very much fine form in terms of the ability to be very, very subtle in terms of his uh, emotional portrayal. And yes, obviously, it plays the great effect in here. A lot of the heavy lifting is done by Claire Foy. Uh, she plays his wife in this, who is unfortunately left to the sidelines but that's how the character was in real life right she was unfortunately the worrying housewife a lot of the time but claire works with what she's got here what i really like about some of the set design here is that the cameras are designed to try and look like old 60s cameras and old 60s nostalgia and there's hardly any music in the film actually it's a lot uh, very much about letting silence be the the, the music in terms of weighing in on what these these issues and the weight of these decisions are but when we get into space this is really interesting so and I, I you know I really do recommend you go watch this in IMAX uh, because it's it's filmed in standard ratio uh, when they're on earth and like I say it's kind of grainy and uh, it's, it's, it's just kind of like it it looks like it could have been plucked out of a documentary in the 60s a lot of it and but when they go into space it switches to IMAX it switches to IMAX and it becomes digital and they emphasise the gulf of space. It emphasises the darkness. It emphasises the, the void that is you are stepping into the abyss, the unknown. Uh, you are going into that night alone and it really does pay dramatic effect as a result of doing this. It's really striking actually. There's some more music introduced when they're in the actual spaceship, like they have tapes and stuff and they listen to, but they purposely make sure it's silent in space so that when it goes those scenes outside of the spaceships, it's pitch black. You can hardly see anything. Although it's in crystal clear, you know, 4K, uh, amazing IMAX screening, uh, it's, it's very much a dark movie from that perspective. Um, yeah, Jason Clark's in this as well. He plays Ed White. Uh, like I say, the main bulk of the lifting is done by Claire Foy. Um, I do think there's some really interesting scenes. I mean, there's one scene that epitomises the personalities of, of of Buzz Aldwin, which is played by Carrie Stroll and, uh, and Neil's relationship in this. They're given a press conference and um, they say... Oh, uh, Buzz, we hear you're taking some jewellery up to your wife. Uh, sorry, taking some jewellery up to the moon from your wife. And he goes, yeah, very charismatically, he goes, yeah, well, my wife's got to have bragging rights, wife. And everyone yeah, found it very, very funny. And they said, oh, um, Neil, uh, are you going to do the same? And he just said really awkwardly, no, but we need more fuel. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that, that epitomises the character. You don't know much about Neil Armstrong by the end of it. There's kind of some controversy in the States that um, they don't really pay much attention to the flag part 
in terms of you know putting the flag in the ground and USA, USA, and all that stuff. Which I, to be honest, I, I probably would feel similarly um, if that's like doing a World War Two movie without a Churchill speech, right? To an extent, but um, but they really wanted to focus on on Neil. The film's called First Man. It's about him. It's about his personal um, grief that he had to go through whilst at the same time applying for this program, training for this program, all his friends and colleagues. A lot of people die. A lot of people die around this man. Like he'll be part of a team that are training and, you know, and he wasn't the first team to to be selected to go to the moon. That's why there was multiple Apollo missions. And he got there because people died. He got and the reason why it's the Apollo 6 is because five other Apollos failed before that point. Uh, and then, you know, eventually on to Apollo 11 and everything else. So there were so many failures that when he got to the moon, was it, you know, did it feel like a victory? I'm sure it did. But he, bottling all that up for one pair of shoulders to, uh, to bear is immense. And that's that's what I got out of this film. Wow. I, I'm so intrigued. I can't wait to see this movie. So a couple of questions. I love gravity because of the 3D aspect, feeling that out in space. Um, is it have those sort of wow moments where you're out in space and you kind of head spinning a little bit? Uh, there's a couple of scenes where, like, say, for example, there's a scene where, they, I mean, they, they try and use the camera. Uh, when that, Like I said, when up in space, it goes to IMAX. It goes to full full screen from that perspective. And... They try and use the camera in a way which doesn't give you awe. It gives you, it makes you feel sick to an extent. So when they're outside the spacecraft, everything's still, everything's silent. Inside the spacecraft, it's like a duck landing on water, right? It looks graceful, but actually underneath the legs are kicking out and it's a whole mess of trouble. And there's a lot of times where they are constantly trying to make split decisions and that sometimes they're, they're spinning around. There's one scene where literally the ship is just spinning around and they're being chucked around like sardines in a can and they're all about to pass out because of the g-force that's being spun around and the way the camera follows them you feel sick in the cinema like it's i would Mm. say that gravity is more about spectacle this is more about the what if you could make a cinematic experience of what those guys actually experience that's what the director was going for cool and so they really focused a lot on keeping it accurate do you do you believe um well it's based on a book it's based on an actual uh biographic uh book about neil armstrong's life and it has got the seal of approval from the family so from that perspective you have to believe that this is either factual or as close as it can be to being factual that being said um i always find that when uh depictions are done of someone's life where it's been signed off by the estate there's a good chance that things have been missed out or things have been rose-tinted because of respect to the person. So it's kind of a take-your-own-interpretation of that. And obviously, there'll be some nutballs out there who think that the moon landing didn't even happen. So obviously, there's going to be a, there's going to be some some taken out. But I, I think it was, you know, for a film, that's about the first, first man stepping on the moon and the technological advances to society and mankind to get there the epic scale of that this was very grounded it followed it's the story of one man it's the story of, of neil going through this space program ultimately achieving his goal and let's not forget he had to come home as well which 
was just as much of a challenge as getting there, if not more so because they've got less fuel, less resources, and no one has got to this point before. At least up until the point mm. he put that foot on the moon, there have been other people that have attempted and some have succeeded and a lot have failed. He was then all of a sudden part of that pioneering group of men that had to had to make it up as they go along and then become the blueprint for further success. Can you see anyone winning an Oscar from this movie? Well... So the director, Damien Chazelle, he he has a bit of a pedigree for it, to say the least. So he directed La La Land. He also wrote Whiplash. Both films are about overcoming adversity, but in done very different styles. So Whiplash was about basically being some poor kid that was abused by a music teacher and overcomes that to become uh, you know, an amazing musician. And obviously, La La Land is very fluffy, very enjoyable, and overcoming the odds in a different way. Still Ryan Gosling in it, though. Uh, interestingly enough but um i uh, both of them cleared house in terms of uh, oscars and things like that so i suspect this film will do well in the rounds i don't know if it will actually win um there's something holding it back and i think it's probably because uh, it's missing something i don't know what it is call it heart call it more emotion I don't know, but it is missing something. It is still a very, very enjoyable film. I think it's going to polarise people. Um, I think people want to see the the shouting and the crying and the emotional barriers that people going through an experience you expect to have, but I just don't think the actual people were like that in this particular instance. Mm. Um, as I mentioned before, Neil Armstrong was a very, very private man, very reserved man. Um, not many people even knew at the time that he was grieving over the loss of his daughter who had a brain tumour um, while he was going through the training process. And uh, yeah, they they play on that, but it's I know less about... I, I knew nothing more about Neil Armstrong at the end of this film than I did to the start similar to, to Mad Men with Don Draper like he, he goes through the motions he's there and he's absolutely incredible at what he does but do you learn more about them as a character you actually don't I don't think um, for that reason mm. I'm going to go three out of five uh, I do think it is a strong recommendation John this is right up your alley you'll probably come back to me and say Flint get that time machine no you're not you're not yeah. you're not amending Justice League you're amending this film but for me it's a three out of five film streaming gems Daredevil season three picks up right where the defenders left off with Matthew Murdoch having a building crushed on him, presumed dead. There was a teaser scene where he wakes up in a in an orphanage, but you don't know too much about it. Now, this uh, TV show has been uh, so hyped and it is definitely worth the hype. Uh, Fisk is absolutely incredible. The supporting cast are great. Look, the biggest complaints out of seasons one and two was that, or sorry, should I say season two and the defenders was that it went a bit too big scale, went to a bit mystical. Uh, season three strips it right back. It strips it back to a point where Matthew Murdoch doesn't even put on the Daredevil suit in this season in its entirety. Now, I'm not going to go into spe- uh, too many spoilers into this review. This is more of a reaction review because I've, I've binge watched the whole thing in fact i was given the first half of the of the season and um, before general release and i even was given the privilege of going over to netflix and and speaking to some of the folks involved in this which will all be part of the the spoiler special we're going to do but i wanted just to post up a review now so you, you've got your your talk filming to me recommendation on this and um, there's a a scene in uh, in every daredevil show which they do which they call a one shot it's where it's a a fight scene where ends to ends there is no editing done and it's used on one camera throughout the entirety of that scene uh, in the first season of daredevil that was a hallway scene on the second season of daredevil that was a stairway scene now these are usually you know 
three or four minutes long, involves a lot of planning, takes weeks of preparation. Do Now, a lot of people said you wouldn't top that. A lot of people think about uh, Gareth Edwards' uh, The Raid movies, which obviously uh, a lot of people hold very near and dear to their hearts. So people say, yeah, you, you'll never top that sort of stuff. Um, I'm pleased to say that, that not only have they managed to match it, they have surpassed expectations. In, season f- in episode four, there's a scene where Daredevil goes to a prison and uh, in this prison there is a riot and through that riot he has to fight his way out of a riot and get into a car and this whole scene is 11 minutes long it is it is a masterpiece in terms of choreography acting camera work from start to finish like it literally starts in a like a hospital room in a prison and it ends up outside and you follow him every step of the way and it's done with one camera in one take and there's hundreds of actors involved lots of fight scenes it's absolutely incredible um we, uh, wilson fisk look they've taken a comic book character of just some big fat guy with with some strength and really added layers to that but they've also introduced bullseye if you remember from the the daredevil movie of ben affleck for better or worse that was played by by colin Farrell, and um they've managed to grind it into reality make it a real relatable character and if if daredevil went on a different path he might have ended up like this this character here i'm not going to go into too much more details now because that's going to go spoilerific fair to say it is five out of five we will be doing a deep dive special i've even got permission to use the music this time so that's even better and uh, yeah watch this space but yeah five out of five daredevil season three highly recommend Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the like, subscribe, follow, whatever button it means that you get more content from Talk Filming to me. John, my boy, how can people find you? You can find me at Descamento on Twitter. Nice. Let's give a shout out to your Mrs. Jamie as well, who has been kicking ass in the West End, been getting five star reviews on company. Please, if you're a London person, go see this. Not that you need our support or promotion to do this because you'll see it on the tube everywhere. But yes, Jamie, John's wife, who you heard earlier, has also been involved in other podcasts, is on the cast there as well. John, anything you'd like to add to that? You've seen it, I'm sure, a billion times. It's genuinely good. It's a grown up musical. you know, I, I, I'm not just lying when I say go see my wife's musical. It's great. It is genuinely funny. So please go see it. Company on the West End. Awesome. Well, she was in good company. We gave her a big break. That's what I tell people anyway. So <laughs> so anyway, next week we'll be back with a review of Overlord. We're going to a press screening of that uh, over the week, as well as we'll be reviewing Streaming Gems. The, there's a, a particularly haunted Netflix season that's come out recent that looks absolutely incredible, which everyone's raving about. So we'll be reviewing that as well. And uh, yeah, stay filmy. Bye-bye. We're down in the basement. Lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.